on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Wisco Sports Show. Here we go. Happy Monday. I am your host, Grant Bills. 580 AM, 96.7 FM, or streaming live at WKTYsports.com. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, I hope you are having a fantastic Monday. Regardless of how your teams did this weekend, uh, most of us, I would imagine, teams didn't do so hot this weekend in terms of NFL. Badgers did okay. Gophers lost. But uh, the main focus today, obviously, it is week three. Wrapping up tonight with Monday Night Football of uh, of the NFL. And it's a young season yet, but a rough weekend for Packers and Vikings fans. It was rough. Packers lose to the Redskins. The Vikings somehow lose at home to the, the lowly Buffalo Bills. The Packers losing on the road 17-31 and did not look good doing so in just about any way. And we'll, we'll talk about that. I got a lot of thoughts about the Packer game. And if you joined in on our WK2I Facebook chat yesterday, our Facebook live chat after the game, which you absolutely should each and every week, just about 10 minutes after the game, I like to hop on and chat with you fine people and our, our listeners and kind of take a pulse and get your thoughts after the game. Had a lot of words to say, none of which included, actually, we didn't talk that much about the roughing the passer call that Clay Matthews faced. Now, this week's a little bit different. That hit's going to be viewed in a little bit different context, right? Because it didn't directly cost the Packers the game which two weeks ago against the Vikings, it did. It cost them a win. And th- and that's clear. I'm, so, I, I'm not trying to sound like a homer. I'm not, I'm not trying to blame the officials for that game. But if that flag doesn't get thrown, the Packers win. Don't change anything about that game, but change that flag, Packers win. This week wasn't the case, right? The Packers played pretty dumpy. The defense was horrible in the first half. The offense was bad all the way through. They had their moments, but they were bad as well. And, and Aaron Rodgers was the first to admit it. We'll hear from him coming up in the next segment. I also want to hear from you, 608-796-2558. That is the five-star telecom talk and text line. The text line looks like it's down right now. So, if you want to talk to me, you're going to have to call in. And I'm excited. I hope we do get some calls today and uh, and we can interact a little bit. And we can have a conversation. Not just a little blurb, not just a little tweet. And those are great, too. Those have their place and it's an easy and quick way to communicate. But I would love to have a conversation. On the phone, where you can say something, I can say something back. Isn't that great? Great part. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. So let me know what you thought about the game yesterday. Packers, Vikings, we can talk either. Uh, we're probably going to start with Packers around the corner when we get the show underway. I also want to talk about the Brewers. They took two out of three from the Pirates this weekend, including just launching a handful of home runs yesterday, and we'll get into all the specifics. But not only did the, the Brewers continue their trek towards what looks like is going to be a playoff berth, knock on wood, but Christian Yelich is making a stronger and stronger case every day for National League MVP. And last week, when we talked last on Thursday, I said I really didn't want to talk about that. If you'll remember, I said, let's wait a week. At least wait one more series. Maybe we can revisit it on Monday. Because I, I it's too close right now. Let's get another handful of games and then we can reassess. I think it's time that we can start to reassess. And we're going to do that coming up later on in the show. And I'm going to share some jaw-dropping stats with you. And Brewers fans who've been watching Christian Yelich each and every day, you know how good he is. Hitting home runs, he's hitting for average, getting on base, taking his walks, playing terrific in the field as well. And you you know that, but I bet even these numbers would surprise you. He reels in National League Player of the Week this week, which isn't a huge deal. I, I don't get caught up in Player of the Week, but it's fun, and it's just another accolade and another feather in the cap of a very young, very talented, and in the middle of having a very good season, Christian Yelich. Brewers continue tonight 
is they uh, they square off with the Cardinals. An interesting strategy. We'll talk about that coming up. And some of you who have looked at the lineup or been paying attention, maybe you were listening to Bill Michaels earlier today, know exactly what I'm talking about. And I can't wait to get your thoughts and share uh, and share mine as well coming up later on in the show when we finally get into Brewers. But we're going to start with Packers today. 31-17 loss at FedEx Field yesterday, which, side note, is one of the ugliest fields in the entire NFL. And if you follow any Packers writers or Packers media members on social media as well, the press box, not that great either. Looked like there was water dripping through the ceiling. There were buckets set up. Press box is in a pretty crummy spot at the end of a one end zone. I mean, not exactly what you want. I don't think it's the, exactly the crown jewel of NFL stadiums. And the turf is always bad. And that was the case again yesterday. Now the fact that it was wet didn't help. But interestingly enough, Aaron Jones makes his return for the Packers right off of that two-week suspension. Goes for six carries and 42 yards. Jamal Williams right behind him. I don't have the numbers in front of me. We'll talk about it in, in more detail coming up. About five five carries, six carries for about 40 yards as well. They were both averaging over five yards a carry. And you'd think in the mud with the gimpy Aaron Rodgers, maybe you utilize, you lean on that, that run game a little bit more. Wasn't necessarily the case. And I have a lot of frustrations that have almost just become second nature with Mike McCarthy. I like Mike McCarthy. I think he's one of the best football coaches in the league. And I think he has a monumental task, week in and week out, of managing Aaron Rodgers. Who I think most people can agree is probably the most talented quarterback in the NFL right now. If not of all time. And you have to coach a player like that differently, right? It's the same thing with LeBron James. If you start yelling and swearing at LeBron James, there's going to be a problem in the huddle. And I think Mike McCarthy has that challenge each and every day. And that's something he has to deal with. Just another thing that Mike McCarthy has to deal with. But now that Mike McCarthy has been coaching for this long and has had this much success, we've kind of fallen asleep to the the 10-6 and six season, the 11-5 and five season, and the playoff win followed by the divisional round loss, right? We've kind of become numb to that, and we, and we start to pick on things that maybe 10 years ago, maybe even 5 years ago, that we didn't. I think Mike McCarthy is a very good football coach. But gosh, does he drive me up the wall. And I bet some of you agree. Some of just the hard-headed, stubborn tendencies of Coach Mike McCarthy. And then you pair that with the freedom and the -the off-the-cuff style of play of Aaron Rodgers, and you can get just a stagnant, underperforming offense that's never really lived up to what it's supposed to be. Now, take everything I said back. It's week three. It's week three. But I watched yesterday's game, and I see no reason that the Packers shouldn't have been right in it or winning that game. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I understand that. It's always easier to go back and critique after the fact. I understand that. I do. But yesterday, man, oh man, just a couple things. Now I want to get into those yesterday. Like I said, if you joined in on our Facebook live chat yesterday on the WKTY Facebook page, we talked about them all. A couple things. Not only play calling. Play calling is, is something. And you got to understand with the Green Bay Packers, play calling is as much in the hands of Aaron Rodgers at the line of scrimmage as it is with Mike McCarthy and his headset. It is. So we have to take that into account. But as we, I want to sit back and I want to look at Mike McCarthy coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Uh, I, I, I was happy when the show started and I, I'm still happy. Yesterday's game wasn't as frustrating as the Vikings game was a week ago for, uh, for different reasons. And I also want to talk, we're going to talk about the roughing the passer. So if you have thoughts on that, don't worry. We're going to get there. Uh, we have a lot to dive into today. And, I, and if I don't keep myself organized, if I don't keep myself on the rails... It's going to be a train wreck. I'm going to rant. I'm not going to give you all a chance to get in a word edgewise, and that's not what I want. 
We're going to dip into it slow, take it one piece at a time today as we dissect yesterday's game, what the Brewers are doing, including their action tonight, and this whole roughing the passer saga as it unfolds week after week and doesn't appear to be stopping anytime soon, right? 608-785, or excuse me, 608-796-2558. That is the five-star telecom talk and text line. Like I said, the text line might be MIA today. I'm working on it. I'm going to continue to work on it. But if you want to talk, you're going to have to call. And I'm going to have a good time. Call in. We can have a discussion. I'm looking forward to it. So we're talking Packers, Redskins coming up. A 17-31 to 31 loss yesterday. My frustrations with Coach Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and the rest of this team. We're going to get into that. We're also going to get into the Brewers eventually. The roughing the passer call. We're going to get into it all. Don't worry. Plenty of time uh, to cover it in the, the 45 minutes that we have remaining here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. A lot more to come. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on. I am your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. Wherever and however you're listening, thanks for joining in and making me a part of your Monday evening. We're just starting to dive into this Packers-Redskins game from yesterday. People chiming in on the five-star telecom talk and text line, including Ken. Ken, what do you think about yesterday? Well, I think it's just a frustrating game to watch in the sense every time we got a game going and we got the ball on offense, it seems like we either dropped a pass or just couldn't seem to make a big play when you have to make big plays, especially on the road. Uh, defensively, I think you could make a case seriously that we are one of the weakest defensive teams in the entire NFL. I've never seen a secondary that every play, and I'm exaggerating here, but a lot of the plays, the holes were all legitimate calls. I mean, they're grabbing these guys. They're two steps behind. They're turned around. The holes that Adrian Peterson ran through, my God, anyone could get through there. I just think we're an average team at this point, not saying, obviously, that we can't get better. But right now, I think there's just a lot of questions on both sides of the ball, and it's just a hard team to watch. Ken, I I couldn't have said it better myself. And thank you for chiming in, giving your thoughts on the five-star telecom talking text line. And Ken covered it all. He covered it all. Every frustration and every problem with yesterday's Packer game. I could not agree more. Now, it is only week three, like I said, and, and in terms of how the Packers' defense and, heck, even the offense ranks among the rest of the NFL, that remains to be seen. And, and don't worry, we'll get there as the season goes on and we'll continue to evaluate that. But what? so many frustrations in yesterday's game and it's sloppy play. It's pass interference calls that didn't necessarily need to be there. A player in correct position just gets handsy for no reason. There's one drive yesterday, and I'm sure, Ken, you, your frustration, and you both remember this very well, three pass interference plays on one drive, and the Redskins are going, all right, I guess, all right, we'll take it. Heck, let's go. <laughs> Bunch of free yards, right? And and all three of those plays, now the Tremont Williams one, that was the shortest yard play on, on the out route, or the little uh, stop and go route on the left side, on the far side. That one was, it was the least egregious of them all. I'm not going to sit here and say that it wasn't a penalty. I think we're splitting hairs at that point. The Devon House play in the end zone was horrible. That was horrible. Jari Al- Jair Alexander, excuse me, on the uh, on the post route on the right side. That was just it was just bad coverage. He was he was in position. He was right where he needed to be. He was running with the receiver, and then he felt the need to get physical and, and try to force him too strong out of bounds. 
lot of frustrating things. Holding penalties. My gosh, Ken. And I, I had forgotten about that. Every big run on offense. Holding coming back. Every, and I mean it, just about every punt return yesterday coming back because of a hold. And Devon House was the, the worst among the group. It's one thing to lose, but losing like that, especially on the road when you have a banged up quarterback, it was just a frustrating game to watch. And that's besides the point of the roughing the passer action, which we're going to get to coming up later on in the show. Ken, one thing that I didn't hear you mention, and that was talking about Mike McCarthy, and that's what I talked about yesterday and, and what I wanted to start to get into. Now, I'm not calling, look, no one's calling for Mike McCarthy to be fired, okay? Let's, let's just put that out there right now. Not that my voice calling for Mike McCarthy getting fired would mean anything. Or that your voice would mean anything, unless you were close friends with Mark Murphy, and I don't know about it, in which case you should come on the show. Love to have you as a guest. Mike McCarthy is a good football coach, but I cannot, for the life of me, understand that in the last seven days, I guess 14 days, if you think about it holistically, last Sunday, that Packers team that came out against the Vikings at Lambeau Field was the best prepared, the best ready, or the most ready team from the open snap, from the opening snap. They had a perfect game plan. All right, we have an injured Aaron Rodgers. We're going to let him pass from the pocket. Our whole focus is going to be setting up a good pocket around Aaron Rodgers. We're going to use multiple tight ends, including our offseason acquisition in Mercedes Lewis, who's arguably one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. He can catch as well, which is something Lance Kendricks can't do, but we'll talk about that later. Let's keep Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. Protect him. We'll utilize the running game here and there, but we're not going to overdo it. We're still going to let Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers. All righty. Ball's going to come out quick. We're not going to try not to live in third and long. That didn't go very well, but early in the game, it went better. We're not going to give Zimmer and those Vikings a chance to pin their ears back and come full force at Aaron Rodgers. We're going to keep them playing back. Use the screen game. Use draw plays. Use quick outs. Beautiful. And the Packers came out, buttoned up, ready to go from the opening snap, including a special team score, which is something you never see from the Packers. If they're just making field goals and kicking touchbacks, you're happy with it. That's the uh, that's the special team's expectation for the Green Bay Packers, or it has been in my lifetime. Flawless last week. Now, they didn't end up getting the win, due in part to some late-game fatigue on the defense, some questionable strategy on offense, and one flag that ended up really breaking the camel's back. Juxtapose last week to this week, Packers came out sloppy. Looked like they just woke up. And everything that was game-planned against the Vikings, in terms of protecting Aaron Rodgers and that bad knee, and giving him help, went right out the window. Gone. Never to be seen again. And Mike McCarthy reverted to, all right, three wide receivers, one tight end, and a running back. Aaron Rodgers, go do your thing. I'm going to sit here with the clipboard and hope it works out well. Because God forbid I should have to show some creativity, some evolution, some adaptation, anything, anything at all. Nothing. You look around the NFL right now. You look at the Rams, the Falcons, the Bears, heck. With uh, with Matt Nagy, young offensive coordinator. It's not an age thing. It's just it's just a trend and a coincidence. Some of these newer head coaches coming up with new ideas on offense and new strategies and new ways to play. They have a playmaker. They find unique ways and and uh, and effective ways to get their playmakers the ball. If you gave Sean McVay Aaron Rodgers, oh my God, it'd be like a cheat code. He makes Jared Goff look like. Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Drew Brees. I like Jared Goff. I think he's a good quarterback, but he's not those guys. He's not as athletic, doesn't have the arm talent. But look at what Sean McVay has done with him. And part of that is the team around him. I get that. 
But the Packers don't have any slouches at weapons either. Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Jimmy Graham, who, where the hell was he yesterday? The whole story in the offseason was, oh, we got our million-dollar man, we got our tight end, him and Aaron Rodgers together are going to be fantastic. I get it. I get that it's week three. I get that they didn't play much in the preseason. I understand that. But you know how you build chemistry? You throw him the football. You you use him. Because you can't build chemistry if you don't throw him the ball. That's not just going to build in the locker room. You think Aaron Rodgers and 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 uh, Jimmy Graham are sitting down and they're they're drinking a Mountain Dew and, and watching friends in the locker room and that's how they build chemistry? No, you throw him the ball. And that sometimes means let's design a play to get him the ball. We have a playmaker. Let's draw something up. Something new that's not, all right, Aaron Rodgers, go run around, uh, duck coverage, and eventually someone will come open, even though they're all 15 yards down the field, and you don't have a safety valve of any kind on that bad knee. God, I don't understand it. Because last week, I thought we had broken through. Mike McCarthy came out, and, and the, the, the play calling was quick. It was fast. It was scripted. To some extent, they knew what they wanted to do. They had an identity. And yesterday, they fell into, well, we got some good wide receivers. We got some good tight ends. We got some good running backs. We got a lot of good ingredients, but the meal that we cooked up sucked. I don't know how that's... I, 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 it blows my mind what Mike McCarthy did yesterday. They have three tight ends, all of which are good. Now, Lance Kendricks can't catch to save his life. So I, for the life of me, I don't understand why he's out there over uh, Mercedes Lewis. You have three tight ends. Maybe you line up more than one. You have two running backs who have been spectacular in pass protection. Maybe put them in the backfield. Give Aaron Rodgers a little protection. You have Aaron Jones, who's fresh, as opposed to the other team, who is apparently exhausted after playing an extra 10 minutes of football, which is really only one extra possession on offense. Throw him back there. He's a fresh set of legs. Only got six carries. Good Lord. I don't understand. I know football is a complicated game. I know Mike McCarthy will forget more about football in one day than I will ever know in my lifetime. But it does not seem complicated to me. I cannot be the only one who feels this way. It doesn't seem complicated. Aaron Rodgers got a bum knee on a rainy day. He's not playing his best, and the receivers are dropping balls. What do we do? Okay, bring in a couple tight ends. Maybe bring in a running back to be his personal protection. Maybe line up two running backs in the backfield. Maybe we use a fullback. Bring in Robert Tanyan. He hasn't seen any action. Get creative. Do something different. And in the second half... They go into halftime. I said, okay, they'll make adjustments. They'll do something different in the second half. No, they didn't. Same thing. Aaron Rodgers, go do something. Yeah, we know you have a bum knee. Play through it. You'll be fine. I I don't get it. I know there were a lot of drop passes yesterday. I do. There were a lot of penalties. Holding penalties. Some of which were borderline, and that'll be a drive killer. I get it. But at some point, Mike McCarthy has to say, yes, I have Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. I do. But that doesn't mean that I can't be creative and do special things and line up in certain plays to get our playmakers like Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham, for God's sakes. Get them the ball. It's like it's like Mike McCarthy just sits back and just lets Aaron Rodgers play. And when Aaron Rodgers is playing well and he's healthy and it's late in the game and he's feeling it, that's, that's a good strategy. We saw that. We have seen that before. But yesterday, nuh-uh, not the good strategy. And maybe there's an underlying issue of Mike McCarthy's not comfortable with doing that. Or he just really sucks at it because the message never gets through to Rodgers. But it just blows my mind. And Mike McCarthy, I'm not even going to have time to talk about the timeout debacle at the end of the first half. You let the time with three timeouts and an Aaron Rodgers coming off a drive with that offense that just scored and looked better than they had all day. All day. Hit a big pass to Geronimo Allison, feeling it. Got a little momentum. Yeah, your defense is going to give up some points. Okay, fine. 
that sucked a little wind out of the sails. But you got Aaron Rodgers on the bench, a fresh Aaron Jones, a Jimmy Graham, and a healthy offensive line, which didn't end up being the case at the end of the game. There's no reason to let all that clock run off, especially if you're going to come around with 20 seconds and not kneel the ball down, but try to go get a field goal, a 60-yard field goal on bad turf in the rain. Ah, it doesn't make any sense to me. So, Packers fans, if you're asking what made me mad about yesterday, it wasn't the Clay Matthews hit. That was a side note. It's uh, I was talking to one of my buddies, last thing I'll say before we move on to Brewers here. I was talking to my, one of my buddies earlier today, and I said, look, the Packers have good weapons. It's like the Bucks; they have good players. Or the Brewers, they have a lot of bats in the offense. Why doesn't that translate to success as a group? It was That was the Dom Capers thing all last year. They have good players on this defense. They may not be the best in the league, but they're certainly not the worst. Why does the overall product stink? It's the same thing with McCarthy. We're told there are weapons. Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, veteran wide receivers, good wide receivers, good good tight end group, good group of running backs. He he made the joke that it was like uh, it's Schrodinger's cat, right? Is there or is there not a cat? It's like Schrodinger's weapons. We think they're good weapons, but if you never use them, are they are they good weapons? I don't know. Those of you who understand physics more than me will probably get more out of that reference. I, I just don't understand. And either and either Aaron Rodgers is going to have to start playing at another worldly level. Or Mike McCarthy may actually have to do something. He might have to sit down at a whiteboard and say, hey, what if we tried this? Hey, Jimmy Graham wasn't involved last week. What if, what if we did this with him? Something like that. It's not hard. It's not. It's pretty basic. That being said, I'm not a football coach in the NFL. So before we get too deep, let's talk Brewers. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show, you're listening to WKTY. If you want to chime in as the Brewers continue their charge towards the postseason, 608-796-2558. That is the five-star telecom talk and text line. I'd love to have a conversation with you about some Brewers baseball because my blood pressure is going up and we need to change topics. Milwaukee Brewers baseball coming up here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. Hot streak at the plate, and he launches one. Deep right center field. There she goes. A three-run home run. Christian Yelich. Nothing new there. Christian Yelich just adding to his already impressive stat line as he rolls in with his third NL player of the week after this season's uh after this last weekend's series in Pittsburgh. Pretty impressive stuff. And we we gotta move on from Packers. I know it's Monday. I know it's week three, but the Brewers are chasing a playoff berth, and that's not something that I've uh, I've seen very many times in my lifetime, so we have to talk about it, and I'm going to enjoy talking about it. I bet you will as well. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. In case you want to talk a little Brewers, give me a call. I would love to have a discussion. Brewers get the win yesterday, 13-6. to a lot of home runs. That's that's basically uh, basically the takeaway from yesterday's game in Pittsburgh, as opposed to a couple days ago where they were shut out. Um, Thirteen to six, the Brewers win, and Christian Yelich obviously adds to his impressive stat line already. Yelich went uh, two for three on the day, including three RBIs, all coming on that home run, a walk as well. He only had one strikeout. Corey Knebel gets the win yesterday. But the Brewers ran away with it early. Wade Miley, unfortunately, not able to get through the fifth inning, so he was uh, not qualifying, not qualified to get the win yesterday. Even though they were up six to nothing when he started the fifth inning, you, you, you want to give that guy every opportunity. But Wade Miley uh, got started 
giving up four runs in the bottom of the fifth to the Pittsburgh Pirates. And that was enough for Craig Council to say, you know what? We want to see you get the win. Want to give you a fair shake, but uh, you're not going to lose this game for us, especially not this late in the year. So the Brewers continue to march towards the postseason. It looks like, as we continue, the Brewers will be a wild card, obviously. Uh, The first wild card spot they sit in right now comfortably over the Pittsburgh Pirates. Couple games back from the Cubs, it's going to take a miracle pretty much at this point. And and we knew that, right? We obviously we we kept our hopes up. We didn't want to put anything to bed and and we still don't, but it is going to take just about uh just about short of a miracle for the Brewers to be able to do it. They sit behind the Chicago Cubs two and a half games. Two games in front of the uh the St. Louis Cardinals who are chasing them for the wild card. We'll give them that. We'll give them credit for that for sure. And we'll talk more about that as the show rolls on. I don't really understand this Brewers offense yet. I I can't imagine a lot of Brewer fans do. They have a lot of big sticks. Now, this team is kind of gone how Christian Yelich is gone, to be completely honest. He has a good night. Brewers typically have a pretty good night, and that's what it means, I guess, to be an MVP, doesn't it? That's right. I think we can fairly talk about it now. I said last week when we were talking, I wanted to wait just a little bit more time to start the argument between Javi Baez and Christian Yelich. Look. I'm not going to pull up stats and compare them between Javi Baez and Christian Yelich. They're two different players. Christian Yelich, I believe, to be the little bit more complete player. This was his past week, which earned him National League Player of the Week honors. You ready for this? 544 batting average from September 17th to the 23rd. 1.091 slugging percentage. 1.706 OPS, which is on base plus slugging. So essentially... OPS is the true on-base percentage. It takes into account walks, hits, all that stuff, but it also gives you credit for the home runs you hit, which obviously on-base percentage doesn't because at no point in a home run are you getting on base. You're just running around them, obviously. Uh, Seven runs, seven uh, runs scored, 12 hits, two home runs, and seven RBIs, including a cycle on the 17th, which was the the first day that this week started. So 17th through the 23rd, Christian Yelich, the National League Player of the Week, the only player in the MLB to earn that honor three times this season, which is pretty impressive. Christian Yelich and his average continue to uh, to stand for themselves as well. It's been amazing. His average keeps going up. We thought at about 318, 319, he might sit there, and and if he stands pat and others come crashing down, well, maybe, just maybe he could, uh, he could find himself into a batting title. But yesterday, Christian Yelich, with another home run, and, and another good offensive weekend actually leading the National League in, uh, in, in not ERA, but in batting average right now. He sits at 322. 322! Which is edging him out over Scooter Jeanette to lead the NL in, uh, in batting. Look, the, ML, the MVP is a tough conversation in baseball. You're comparing a lot of different positions. Infielder versus outfielder. Cubs fans and Cubs media like to make the argument that, that Javi Baez is more valuable in the field. Well, is that Christian Yelich's fault? Is that Javi Baez's responsibility? That when he was in 8th grade or 7th grade to say, I'm going to be an infielder. And that decision is supposed to affect the M- the MVP race 15 years later. It's a little ridiculous. Of course, the argument for Javi Baez is that he can play multiple positions at a gold glove level. Well, Christian Yelich could too. Christian Yelich could be a gold glove right fielder, left fielder, center fielder. It's not Yelich's fault he doesn't play center field, just like it's not Yelich's fault that he plays infield. It's just the nature of the positions that they play. And to say that an infielder 
is more valuable than an outfielder, I think you're just you're just grasping at straws now. Look, I'm okay with you making the case for Javi Baez, and if Cubs fans, you want to text or call in, please do, 608-796-2558. You want to tweet at me? My Twitter handle is at KeystrokerGrant. You can also tweet at the station at WKTY if you have an argument. But bring an argument. And, and that's what I'm seeing failure on, on the Cubs' contention of this. Javi Baez is magic. Joe Madden the other day just simply said, he deserves the MVP. He's just different, man. Okay. That's great. I'm glad Javi has the, the magic. El Mago. But what does that mean? Because ultimately, it's numbers and production and success hitting the ball and fielding the ball that's going to win an MVP. Not, not accolades like he's just magic. He's just, he's just different, man. Okay. Good for him. <laughs> Niger Morgan was different, too. You don't see him winning MVPs. Sorry. I'm not saying that Javi Baez doesn't deserve the MVP. I'm not saying that Christian Yelich is a runaway candidate. All I'm saying is, every day that this season, every day that passes by, Christian Yelich looks more and more like the MVP. Javi Baez had a tremendous first half. And as a home run hitting machine, doesn't really hit for average, doesn't really get on base a whole lot. Yeah, he steals a lot of bases. So does Christian Yelich, though. And now that Christian Yelich has went on this power tear in the second half, the home run's become a little bit less of a calling card for Javi Baez. As more days pass and as we get closer and closer to the end of the season, Christian Yelich, and and you're going to hear this from more people, Christian Yelich is the MVP. I have one of my best friends at UW Lacrosse is a Cubs fan. Said it last week. He said it last Wednesday when we were doing a podcast together. Said, yeah, I hate to admit it, Christian Yelich is the MVP. Not saying it's done. Not saying it's clear cut. But I think the consensus is more and more that Christian Yelich is going to end up winning uh, winning MVP. Two cycles in in a calendar month. Three NL Player of the Weeks. Hits a lot of home runs. Gets on base. Steals bases. I know Cubs fans hate to admit it. Christian Yelich can play three three positions at gold glove level too. And Javi Baez can play shortstop and second base. Yeah, so can Orlando Arcia. We're not giving him the MVP for that. Sorry, it's just the I'm just I'm just talking about the facts. Cubs fans don't like it, and and they thought that this MVP race was wrapped up a month ago, and I thought it was too. But it's a long season, as Brewers fans know. What happens in the first month or two or three is not indicative, hardly, of what happens at the end of the year. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Last chance, Cubs fans or Brewers fans, to make your case. You can also tweet at me at Keystroker Grant. The Brewers tonight going with an interesting strategy as they open the series with the Pittsburgh Pirates. A lot of people don't like it. I'm indifferent. I'm going to wait to see how it goes because that's how I work. I'm not going to get mad about it. I'm not going to try to predict anything. I'm just going to wait to see how it goes. They're going Johnny Holstaff with the bullpen tonight if you haven't seen. Dan Jennings is actually going to get the start, which leads me to believe that Dan Jennings probably isn't going to pitch very long. If he goes more than two innings, I would be surprised. We saw the Brewers do this last year, but the Brewers' starting rotation last year just wasn't as good. They had Brent Suter making starts at the end of last year, and and they couldn't really figure it out as Jimmy Nelson got hurt. But this is their, even with a starting rotation, I know they have some injuries, they're electing to, to sit Chase Anderson tonight, to not give him the start, and to go Johnny Holstaff. Use, have a bullpen day. Brewers lead the St. Louis Cardinals in the first game, uh, in the first spot for the wild card by two games. So this series is incredibly important. You got to win at least two or three, preferably get a sweep and really just end the conversation. 
But you can't afford to play really bad, three really bad games of baseball. And I think Craig Council just looked at it and said, look, Jace Anderson might give us a good start. He might not. If we do a bullpen day, I am in control. I can say at the, at the snap of a finger, he's done. We're going to get this guy. And by setting the tone, I think, at the first night in St. Louis with your bullpen and using some of your best arms, because I think all of their pitchers, their top couple of pitchers are all in the bullpen. If, if you were to, to list out all the Brewers pitchers and, and rank them, I think it's Hayter, Jeffress, Knable's making a real strong case. Corbin Burns is making a real strong case. I'd rather have all four of those guys before I have any of the Brewers pitcher, uh, starting pitchers. So we'll see how it goes tonight as they go Johnny Holstaff. Dan Jennings, I think a little surprising, gets the start. I would have thought Corbin Burns maybe. Maybe Brandon Woodruff or Junior Guerra. I don't know if we need to see any of those guys tonight. The idea of going Johnny Holstaff with the bullpen is so you get your best arms on the mound. And none of those guys are exactly your best arms. I like Junior Guerra. I like Brandon Woodruff. But I like Chase Anderson more than both of those guys. So that's going to be the strategy. Uh, Coming up next, don't worry, I'll give you your Brewers lineup if you haven't heard it already and we can talk a little bit further. I also want to get into the Clay Matthews saga as it continues to unfold. Three roughing roughing the passer penalties. I believe he had one or two the rest of his career. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but he has surpassed his career number this year. And he's already got three. He's got three. And he's frustrated. NFL fans are frustrated. Packers fans, let's be honest. And I want to I lay something down so we can be honest with each other going into the final segment, right? The Clay Matthews call yesterday did not affect the game in any sense yesterday. We're just talking in the scope of yesterday's ball game. Clay Ma- the Clay Matthews penalty did not affect it. It was 15 yards. The Redskins ended up punting. So we can whine and complain about how we don't like the call and how we don't like the direction the NFL is going in. But we're not blaming the game on this. We're not blaming the loss on this, okay? I just want to make that clear before we get into it, and I'm going to do the same. So you can hold me to that. 608-796-2558. If you want to chime in and talk roughing the passer, Clay Matthews, Packers, anything coming up around the corner. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up here on WKTY. Washington, and, um, you know, I missed a couple throws he usually hit. We dropped a couple ones, uh, chances for big plays, and, you know, that kind of hurt us. Um, didn't get a lot going um, most of the game. So we got to give them credit. Um, but, you know, we left a lot of offense out there. Couldn't have said it better myself. I am your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. And I think that just about sums it up. Missed throws, a couple bad decisions, some sloppy play on defense, a lot of penalties, and that's what you get. Leave a lot of opportunities and a lot of offense, especially out there on the field. So the Packers yesterday losing 17-31. to And Packers fans were upset about it. It's only week three, but we're still upset about it. We feel like this team should be better. Couldn't agree more. But yesterday, most of the national narrative and and most of the attention on this game was because of Clay Matthews roughing the passer call, which most people still agree that it's not a flag. And the NFL says, basically, up yours. Uh, It is a flag, and we're going to continue to double down on it, including yesterday. And some of you may have seen this on Twitter. If you're you're always hanging out on the Twitter looking for something to get mad about during the game, which I definitely am. I'm I'm all in for that. NFL football operations yesterday. And I talked about this in our Facebook live chat after the game yesterday, which you should one more time, I'm going to tell you, you got to be tuning in. WKTY Live on Facebook right after the game. Give it about 10 minutes for me to sit down, grab a beer if necessary. Yesterday, luckily we were out of beer, and I said that during our chat. But yesterday, NFL Football Operations. It's a Twitter account with 35,000 followers. This is the bio, and it's verified. This is legit NFL. 
It's verified. It says the official Twitter account of the NFL Football Operations Department providing a behind-the-scenes look at game players, officials, and rules. Okay, so yesterday when Clay Matthews, when that play happened, this is what happened. They tweeted almost within the next 20 minutes, super quickly reacting. Sounds uh, sounds a little insecure, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. This is what they tweeted. They tweeted the, the video of the play of the Clay Matthews hit with this caption. This is a foul for roughing the passer. The defender lands, quote, with all or most of the defender's weight, unquote, on the passer. Rule 12, Section 2, Article 9. And then there is a link uh, to the video and to the actual rule book, which is kind of nice. A couple things I have to say about that. Number one, and Clay Matthews, we, ha- we have Clay Matthews' audio postgame yesterday. I'm going to play it. It's, it's over a minute and a half long, and I think it's pretty comprehensive and, and pretty accurate in portraying the, the frustration and almost the anger that pass rushers are going to have. And it's going to turn to exhaustion, and then it's going to turn to just not caring. And you're going to see pass rushers like McDaniels just give up on a play because they say, if I go any farther, I'm going to get flagged, and I'm going to get fined. And not only does that hurt my team, but that hurts my livelihood. And despite what we think, all these players aren't billionaires with giant mansions. They're a bunch of men who are running around whose careers could be ended at any moment, and that money could stop coming in. So don't act like a fine to a player isn't a huge deal. Obviously, put it in perspective, a fine to Aaron Rodgers is a little bit different to a, than a fine to Kentrell Bryce. The Packers' safety. But still, keep things in perspective. Fines matter. Clay Matthews in that in that soundbite, which we're going to hear in a minute, did a really good job of kind of wrapping up all in one package exactly why there is frustration. And with the NFL Football Operations Twitter account reacting almost instantly, it's like they were waiting. It's like they were waiting for another roughing the passer to be called and said, hey fans, I know you're upset, but here, take this. Had it ready. Because we're insecure and we know you don't like it. But we're not going to do anything about it. Clay Matthews interviewed at his locker yesterday. And I'm going to play the full soundbite because there's a lot of good stuff. Basically, just asked for his reaction. Say, hey, what did you think about the call? Let's get your reaction really without a prompt. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, well, obviously, I don't agree with it again. Um, you know, whereas last week I thought I did it, you know, did it hit, hit the quarterback correctly. Um, head was to the side again, wrapped him up. Um, and, and you see, as soon as I hit the ground, you see me try and pull my hands out. Um, you know, obviously, when you're tackling a guy from the front, you're going to land on him. You know, I, I don't, I understand the spirit of the rule. I said that, uh, you know, weeks prior. But um, when you have a hit like that, that's a football play. You know, I even, I went, I even went up to Alex Smith after the game, asked him, you know, <laughs> what, what do you think? You know, what can I do differently? Because that's a football play. Um, and of course, you know, like I said last week, the NFL's going to come back, so I put my, you know, body on him. You know, but that's a football play. I hit, I hit him from the front, got my head across, wrapped up. I've never heard of anybody tackling somebody without any hands. Um, when he gives himself up, as soon as you hit him, your body weight's going to go on him. But, uh, you know, I think we're looking for the hits, you know, that that uh, you know that took Aaron out last year. You know, that little extra. If I wanted to hurt him, I could have. I could have put, you know, some extra on him. But, you know, that's football. So, I don't know. You know, I really don't know. I, unfortunately, this league's going in a direction that I think a lot of people don't like. Um, you know, I think they're getting soft. And, you know, the only thing hard about this league are, are, is the fines that they levy down on guys like me who play the game hard. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm just going to keep playing hard. You know, maybe you know, maybe now pass rushers, guys, going to have to quarterback. You just have to attack the ball, which is, you know, I've, I've been playing this game for over 20 years. That's how you tackle. So, we'll see. I mean, you know, something's got to change because, you know, the league's not – and, and these are big plays. You know, like I said last week, these are big plays. So, 
disappointed. You know, I, I, you know, I tried to change from last week and uh, still get the flag. So, um, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate. First of all, before we break any of that down, I want to say something. Is the NFL going to find Clay Matthews for this interview? I, I feel like that that's almost just authoritarian. It's almost fascist to find him for saying something like that. Am I, am I right? He doesn't personally insult the officials. He doesn't really personally insult the league either. He's just expressing his free speech, free speech, excuse me, and discomfort and displeasure with with how things are being portrayed. Look, if you're going to find players for saying things like that, he was calm. He was collected. He didn't swear. I, I really don't. I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss for words for that. If Clay Matthews is getting fined, and look, we all think, like I said. The NFL players are all billionaires, and Clay Matthews has obviously done well for himself. He's one of the the exceptions, I think, in the NFL. But it's a bunch of men who probably don't have a college degree. They might have left a little early, or they didn't uh, didn't have enough credits or something to graduate in time. And they're out there banging their heads around, banging their limbs around, and they're one bad step away from their career ending. And that paycheck, just like that, disappearing. So yeah, taking fifteen, twenty thousand dollars away from a guy for doing a post game interview like that. That's pretty ridiculous, and it's pretty unfair. And I would say that about any NFL player. Now, if you start personally insulting other players, an official, you start swearing un- unnecessarily, well, that's a different conversation. But that's about as civil as a, as a complaint and as a thought as you can get. I really don't see why there's, a, why there's a need for a fine there. I don't know if he will get fined, but that's something that I want to bring up. If he gets fined, that's ridiculous, and I want to bring that up on the show later this week. Aaron Rodgers also absorbed a hit yesterday from uh, Alabama graduate def- uh, Deron Payne, the defensive tackle. It's kind of slung to the ground. Packers fans, I'm sure you remember this. This is what Aaron Rodgers had to say about that play. And you can kind of hear the frustration with maybe not the rules, but the NFL really doesn't know what the hell's going on. I mean, they got a really good defense, uh, Washington. Wrong play, my bad. We're going to get this Rodgers soundbite. You guys already heard that. We don't need to talk about how the Packers lost anymore. He said he couldn't see through the 14 guys. Some some of that effect, but um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you hear what I said, but I said I'm not I'm not uh, asking for a call here, but I'm wondering if you felt like that he slammed me on my head or not. And then he said, "No, I didn't see it." First of all, he did see it. Every eye in in every official's eye that's in that vicinity of the field is on the ball and on the quarterback. So he did see it. If he would have said, "Yeah, I missed it," that's fine. That's one thing. But it's, it's this continued charade by the NFL that they know what the heck they're doing. That they're not making this up as they go along. Yesterday, you, in that, that tweet that I read, pass rusher puts all or most of his body weight. And the language is important here. All or most. How are you supposed to judge most? What does that mean? And basically what it is, is it's a safety valve for officials. That if they blow a call, the NFL can say, hey, here's the rule. Here's the nomenclature of the rule. It's a judgment call. The official made it, and we're going to back him up on it. Players just want transparency. Fans want transparency and consistency. Look, if you're going to if you're going to put a bummy rule in that nobody likes, that's fine. But you got to do a good job calling it. You got to be transparent about it. Neither of which the NFL has been so far. Uh, and NFL fans are worried. They are, and I understand. Least of which Clay Matthews, who has now got three roughing the passer penalties. First of all, I don't think you should be necessarily fined for a roughing the passer penalty. I don't think, well, the first one against Mitch Trubisky was different. The last two, there was nothing malicious about those hits. And he said yesterday, if I wanted to hurt him, I could. These players know how big and strong and powerful they are. I I don't think it's, I I don't think they're as dumb as everybody likes to think they are. I think they know exactly what's going on out there. I don't know. It's a story that we're going to continue to follow and continue to have strong opinions on, especially 
if it continues to impact Clay Matthews and the Packers in close games, which yesterday it was not. Quickly, before I hop off, I'll give you the Brewers lineup for tonight. Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, Jesus Aguilar, 1-2-3, Travis Shaw, Ryan Braun, Mike Moustakis, uh, four, five, six, and Manny Pena, Orlando Arcia, and Dan Jennings gets the start tonight as they go with the uh, with a bullpen start. Johnny Holstaff tonight. That game, first pitch at seven fifteen. You can hear it right here on WKTY. No need to tune out. You can make this uh, station your home for the rest of the night. Go Brewers! We'll continue to talk about them and break down this week's Packers loss as we look forward to next Sunday as well. This has been the Wisco Sports Show with me, your host Grant Bill. Same time, same place tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.